Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. into the Hokie Hangover podcast. My name is Mike McDaniel, joined by Ricky LeBlue, and Andrew will be here at some point, Rick, but until he's back with us, what's going on? How's it going? At some point, all three of us will be here at the start of a podcast. I don't know <laughs> when yeah. the hell that's going to be, uh, but hopefully soon. But, dude, it's late January, and shit just keeps happening. Like, yeah, there- there's still content it's fun yeah like you know it 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 can get pretty wild like in um like in spring in spring ball like march and 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 like end of april and then but usually there's a lull right from like may through july right in august and then there's a lull after bowl games nope not not at all not even a little bit (laughs) well i mean last year it was interesting too because it was our first like it was the first time that we have navigated on this podcast, a full football off season. Right. And yeah. we try to talk about a bunch of different sports on this podcast, but this is always going to be driven by football because that is, it is what it is. Right. Um, so what was interesting was in our first off season, we were like, all right, what are we going to do for topics? And we were kind of tossing some things around and then COVID happened. And then we automatically just had content for like six months, which uh, there's been a lot of bad, obviously over the last year with, the COVID pandemic, but there was no shortage of things to talk about. And even though we're still kind of navigating that pandemic um, and hopefully coming out of it in the semi near future, there's still content to talk about Ricky with this football program. And we're going to get into the basketball team just had a big win tonight against Notre Dame. So Ricky and I are going to talk about that as well. Um, And then hopefully Andrew as well, once he joins us, Uh, but we're going to start on the football side. So Daryl tap it's official. We talked about it on the last couple of podcasts. Daryl Tapp looked like he was going to be heading to the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers to become their new assistant defensive line coach. Uh, that had been in the works for a couple of weeks. It became official. Virginia Tech's football program released a formal statement uh, this afternoon um, as we record here on January 27th. So what had been looking like was going to be the case for a while is now reality for this football program. There will be without Daryl Tapp moving forward. Daryl Tapp posted a, a video on his Twitter feed. He'd been pretty silent throughout all this, um, even as the rumor circulated and, you know, people, you know, NFL reporters like Field Yates, for example, were, you know, putting out tweets saying, yeah, this is happening. He's heading to the NFL. Um, it wasn't until Virginia Tech officially released a statement that Daryl Tapp recorded a video of his own talking about his love for Virginia Tech and the opportunity that was in front of him with the 49ers. So good for Tapp. Let's start there. That's great for him. Um, obviously a great opportunity. For Virginia Tech, this is not good, Rick. I'm, I'm going to start there. 
um, with my opinion on this. I don't think it's good for Virginia Tech. It's, it's nice that you have coaches and players that are, that are sought after uh, by professional programs, but no matter how you spin it, this is not good for Virginia Tech in the near term at all. I, I don't know how we can talk about it like this. Is not good in the long term either. Yeah, and I, I don't know the way I look at it, Ricky, like you have coaches that, that move on, right. And, and players that move on and, you know, things happen, right. And and guys get opportunities elsewhere and they leave. And that's just kind of the nature of the business. But when you bring in a guy like Daryl Tapp and you have the idea, and Justin Fuente talked about this, um, even in his video with John Laser today, uh, talked about how, you know, Daryl Tapp was going to be a guy that they wanted to build the recruiting effort around in the state of Virginia to try to, you know, rebuild um, those bonds with the high schools in the state. And when you put a guy who is as enthusiastic as Daryl Tapp is and down to earth as Daryl Tapp is, and he's able to relate to a lot of different people, everybody talks about it, right? Um, his personality and how he relates to the kids and how he relates to guys outside the program and former players. This was the perfect guy to begin to bridge the gap, not only between Virginia Tech and respective recruits across the state of Virginia, but also Virginia Tech and alumni, right? He was a guy that you were going to build that effort around. And now he leaves for the 49ers, which has got to be a dream job for him to get that opportunity to coach at the NFL level. He said as much, right? Now, what are you going to do? Where do you turn? Um, and Virginia Tech to really not really appear to put up much of a fight to keep them. We'll never know. I, I, I don't know behind the scenes how big of a fight there was or if that was even really an option, if he was just going to go because this was an opportunity that he really wanted to seize. But not being able to keep him in-house when he's so integral um, to what you were trying to build and rebuild in the state with alumni I mean, this is a huge loss, Ricky. We've talked about it in the last couple of podcasts, but now it's official. I, I feel like we should at least revisit here for a couple of minutes and, and talk about it. Yeah. Um, I was pretty, I think, pretty clear about how bad this is for Virginia Tech on the last pod, given that we kind of assumed it was going to happen at that point, even though it wasn't exactly sealed up. Um, the The biggest problem here is that Daryl was unique in the sense that he had a storied career at Tech, a lengthy career in the NFL, an engaging, likable personality, um, an energy level that that a lot of guys just can't meet. Um, And with with all that gone who in the hell on this coaching staff is going to take up that that responsibility right. i mean right was justin hamilton i mean justin hamilton showed a that he has a lot to learn in terms of being a play caller on defense um there's no evidence to suggest that justin hamilton has had a positive inf- impact on virginia tech's recruiting efforts what was it is it jack tyler who's the, the linebackers coach now i mean the guy right. has never been uh, and a high level assistant at the college level before. So who in the hell is, it? is it Jerron Govea Winslow who's still a, a lower level assistant? I mean, there, there isn't anyone on this roster or excuse me, anyone on the staff that can do this now. Right. So, you know, so 
this is the thing that we didn't that I didn't get into in the last pod. So you know what this means, right? It's on Fuente now. I I, I know that the head coach has got a lot of responsibilities and he's got a lot on his plate, but guess what? These are like two of the biggest problems that your program is facing right now. You're getting your ass kicked in the state of Virginia, really and across the country in recruiting, if we're being honest. Um, and too many of your former players do not feel welcome. They, they do not feel like their sacrifices and their contributions are appreciated. And they do not feel like they are still a part of the program. So who is the only guy in the program who can show that this is a serious effort outside of Daryl Tapp, who's obviously now gone? It's the head coach. It is, but so, my, my thing too is like, is that, has that ship sailed? Like that's my question, I mean, right? It it it, it probably it may have, right? But the only way that that ship comes back is if the head coach goes goes to these people, whether it be high school coaches, um, uh, former players, uh, anyone associated with either of those two, um, it, you know, situations, and goes to them and say, "Look, we have not, we have failed you." Right. We have, as as recruits, we have failed you because we have not made you feel welcome enough to come to Virginia Tech. We have not created an atmosphere good enough to warrant you signing here and spending the next three to four, three to five years here. Um, If it's former players, Justin needs to say, look, we have failed you. We have not made you feel welcome. We have not made you feel like you are appreciated. We have not made you feel like your contributions to the program have helped us get to this point, And therefore we are thankful for what you have done. Here's what we are going to do differently. Please give us another chance. Right. If he, if Justin gave that pitch, I am willing to bet that most people, most high school coaches and most former players would buy it. You know why? Because they want to buy it. High school coaches want to be connected to the head coach. Former players want to be connected to the head coach, and they want to be connected to their program. They desperately want to buy in, but you got to give them something to buy into. And the only guy who can do that at this point is Justin Fuente. So if Virginia Tech's recruiting efforts do not get better, especially in state, if former players continue to complain about the program and they continue to feel like they're being shut out, the only person left and 100% of the blame will now go on Justin Fuente. There are no excuses at this point. You have to step up as the head coach. Yeah, I, I agree with you for sure. I, I don't know who on the staff currently can replace the role that they were carving out for Daryl. No I, I don't think no there's one. a member of the staff that is fit for that role in the way the tap was. And they could try, they're going to try, I'm sure they'll try with Corey Fuller, who was a who was a grad transfer, by the way. He wasn't exactly a guy who was at Virginia Tech four years. He transferred in, right? Um, now, obviously, is you know he's part of the Fuller family, um, so he understands Virginia Tech. Um, but he wasn't a four-year player at Tech. I don't know how much that's going to matter to people, but he doesn't well, fill that same sort of role as Daryl Tapp, even Jaragavia Winslow, or Jack Tyler, even. You know, these guys were good players at Virginia Tech, but they didn't have the accolades as a player that Daryl Tapp had. Daryl Tapp is one of the better defensive linemen in school history, Um, a guy who was an all-conference player multiple years for Tech. 
um, in the mid 2000s, a very good defensive lineman for the Hokies. And this is a tough guy to replace and relate to if you're a high school head coach. Like you're not going to be able to replace that overnight, especially not with guys who have graduated a bit more recently. Um, these are all guys who graduated in the early 2010s. Um, who were in school when I was in school at Virginia Tech. I watched them all play when I was in Blacksburg. So, you know, these are more recent players. These aren't players from Tech's heyday when this was a really good program. Um, when Daryl Tapp was, you know, on the field for Virginia Tech, this Virginia Tech team was a, a top 15 team every year. This was the They were a top goal. 10 defense. Uh, and in some years, they were top five defense. Right. Like, really good. I mean, he was there during, during the heyday of Beamer. Right. Yeah. Um, early yeah. to mid 2000s when tech was rolling every year. And so it's hard to, to find a guy in that role who you can replace him with. Now, I will I will float two names, which I don't know how realistic this is, because these are two um, Beamer guys, quote unquote. Right. Um, but J.C. Price and Cornell Brown are two guys who have just been let go from Marshall as a result of Doc Holliday's firing. Right. And two guys who are looking for work two guys on the defensive side of the football from a coaching staff standpoint that obviously can relate to Virginia Tech as former players. Um, and, and then Cornell Brown, obviously being on Beamer's staff, these are guys who could come in and fill that kind of role. They are guys who could still relate to players who feel like they've been shunned, former players for that matter, who feel like they've been shunned away from the football program. These people love J.C. Price. They love Cornell Brown. Those would be two very good hires for Virginia Tech if they were to make them and go down that route. The question is, does Justin Puente want to go down that road with two coaches who have such close associations with Frank Beamer, right? The, the story for a while was, okay, this is finally going to be Justin Puente's program now that Bud Foster's gone, right? That the final bridge to Beamer is gone. And I, at the time, thought that was going to be a good thing. Now I'm not so sure, right? And I think two guys who could come in and relate to Virginia Tech at that level would be really important, um, and, and I think they would be able to fill that role. You consider, you know, who Virginia Tech has has lost in this offseason on the coaching staff, right? Tracy Clays retires, Daryl Tapp now gone. They lose Alex White out of the recruiting department. I mean, those are three three positions that could certainly be filled, right? One in recruiting, and two coaching staff hires that they could make. So I would assume that there's room in the budget to make that happen, right? And to bring on another body to help with the efforts, both on the field and off from a recruiting standpoint. But I don't know where Virginia Tech goes from here if they aren't going to go down that road with either of those two guys. Um, it makes sense because they're Virginia Tech guys and they're alums and they're former players and you know guys who can relate to the program. But Andrew, now that you've joined us, we're sitting here talking about how to replace Daryl Tapp. Now it's official. And I don't know if you had any, any lingering thoughts about this. I know we've talked about this on the podcast, you know, recently, but now that it's official, what, what are your initial takeaways here with Daryl Tapp gone? So Mike, I mean, the, the way that kind of just trying to pick up on what you're saying about the hiring of potentially another former player. And I, I think the, the relations between, the alumni of the football program and the Justin Fuente administration and, uh, and the relations between Virginia coaches, Virginia recruits and the Justin Fuente administration are something that we need to harp on. But from a, you know, from at least an optics standpoint, right? Andy Bitter brought up a great 
point today on Twitter. And he said, Daryl Tapp had the opportunity to be a walking, talking advertisement for tradition at Virginia Tech. And they didn't put him out on the me- in front of the media at all. Now, in fairness to them, they put him, uh, you know, social media and recruiting and stuff like that. And maybe he wasn't there long enough to make that outsized impact that they were looking for, but they clearly never pushed him as hard as they could. With that being said, if you're not gonna do that, then what's the point of bringing these former players back in? You know, you have to use every facet of what they bring to the table to the best of their abilities because ultimately what we have today, and I saw that Daryl Tapp put out a video online, uh, you know, kind of explaining that this was him following his dream and there were no hard feelings and he wasn't abandoning ship. But the thing about PR is by its nature, if everyone that you are trying to impress, everyone that you are trying to reach believes that you have a PR problem, guess what? You have a PR problem. And and I think that's something that it's been a long time coming and actually needs to be seriously addressed. Yeah, Andrew, I don't think you could have put it any better. Um, while we're floating names out there, I'll, I'll throw a name out there that um, Tech fans should be familiar with, but I have no inclination that he would um, leave where he's currently at. But Todd Washington is currently an offensive assistant for the New York Jets. Um, he is sticking around despite the coaching changes there. Um Todd was a NFL draft pick, uh, played, I think it was four, started four seasons, I believe, um, as a, as a Virginia Tech offensive lineman, um, played alongside Dwight Vick, who obviously has been on the podcast a couple times now. Um, he has pretty extensive coaching experience, whether it be um, at the college level or at the NFL level or at other professional football leagues. Um you want to talk about somebody that would bring instant credibility to the coaching staff. It would be him. Now, again, he's got a pretty damn good gig on his own, right? I mean, he's, he's doing great on his own. So, but I did, I don't really know what the answer is at this point, other than Justin Fuente has to get down and start doing the dirty work of repairing all of these relationships. Cause I don't think that there's anyone else on staff that has the um, has the ability to do it at this point. All right, so that's not so. This hasn't been good, right? Like no. that's gone. It it's not good. It sucks. And, and you know what? Anyone trying to downplay it is full of shit. This is this is bad, and I hate I hate acting like we're exaggerating a a, a co assistant coach leaving because in a normal situation it really wouldn't be all that big of a deal, but given what Daryl Tapp's mission was or what we think his mission was going to be. This is a big freaking problem. This is a bigger this is a bigger deal off the field than it is on the field for me. Like Bill yes, Tierlink, yes, Bill Tierlink's absolutely. A, yeah, like Bill Tierlink's a good coach, and they still got him on staff to coach a defensive line. That's not yes. as big of a deal to me. It's the off-field role that they had carved out for Daryl Tapp that I don't think it's just real easy to plug someone else into. And maybe I'm proven wrong with that, but I, I just no, I absolutely agree know, with you. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's just my feeling on it. The fact of the matter is this coaching regime right now is on borrowed time. And like the time it takes to 
actually develop the relationships and you know implement the I don't know what to call it the mending of these networks within Virginia and these relationships yep. among alumni. You, that doesn't happen overnight. And Daryl Tapp had the pandemic in his way to stop doing it anyway. But now, I mean, it, it's almost February, boys. And this coaching staff very well might be in their last year. You have a off season where the pandemic is still raging. Recruiting is still, at least for now, cut off from in-person. And it's just hard to imagine anyone being able to even get to the level where Daryl Tapp was right now after a year of, you know, a pandemic situation, obviously he was strapped there, but I mean, whoever, so I was like, I don't even know if you can fill that role. I mean, you'd have to win now and have the guy keep going. It's What do you, and I hate ask, I hate asking this because I feel like we talk about this all the time. What's it going to take for Justin Fuente to get fired from Virginia Tech? And I'm just going to ask it bluntly on this podcast like what's it going to take for Whit Babcock to pull the plug on this I think if they if they have another year like this year um where they're they're borderline bowl team you know six seven wins um to me I think that would be enough given that things should somewhat return to normal next year I mean who the hell knows at this point right about what what the hell is going to be normal? I pray to God that we are at that point in the fall, but um, it, it, this is not a safe assumption, but assuming that college football is back to normal next year right. and, and you have fans in the stands at every game, even if it's not a hundred percent text revenue will obviously go, go up relative to this past year. I, I would be shocked if Fuente if you were to go out there and stink up the joint again and the team struggles again, if with Babcock didn't finally make a move. And as I talked with Andrew in the last podcast, I'm not convinced that with Babcock is going to make this next hire. Yeah, I heard that. I, I don't agree with you that with Babcock's on the hot seat. I thought that was absurd. I don't agree with that at all. I, I don't think it's absurd. How often do ADs get to make two football coaching hires? Quite often, um, quite often. I, I, I don't, I agree not, with you. I agree with you on the fact that Whip Babcock has tied his boat to Justin Fuente, right? I agree with that. But I don't think given the state of the other athletic programs and given the priorities that Tim Sands clearly has for the rest of the athletic department outside of football, I think with his agenda as a school president, for the other for the other programs um, across the athletic department and how those programs are performing, I don't think it's all of a sudden a slam dunk that Whit Babcock is just out the door. Um, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk either, but I think it's something to consider that if the football program continues to tank on the field and off the field, right, and if if there are enough disgruntled power brokers around the university, which Thank God Virginia Tech is not like some other big universities where you've got these these people running around wielding power. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to avoid name, but, but sure, let's just talk about Tennessee. Um, if there are enough people, which I know some of them that are that hang around that donate to the Hokie Club and 
Some are, are gold club members and president club members. If, if they're complaining enough, I'm not convinced that Whip Babcock is, is safe. Now, I'm not saying it's likely that he would get fired. Right. But it is a significant enough possibility that fans should mentally prepare themselves that if the football program goes in the toilet, Tech could be looking for a head coach and a new athletic director. All and I'll say let's not let's not forget about the drive for 25, which has completely stalled out, right? And right. that it stalled out before COVID. Yeah. So I don't want to hear COVID as an excuse. No, the drive for 25 is not working. I agree. Um, so Whit Babcock has struggled on fundraising. His football program is in the toilet. Those are two massive, massive items on an athletic director's list of shit. Right. There's been a lot of successes, though, too. And the one thing yes, I will yes. say – Yes, the basketball programs are doing better. The non-revenue sports are doing better. They've made some significant investments in the athletic program that are benefiting all of the teams. That's great, but that's not the stuff that keeps you around. The, the, so two, thing, two things you mentioned that I want to talk about real fast. So number one, the power broker thing, because I agree with you. Now, I, I think it would have to really – really bottom out for with Babcock to like to be let go and I don't think you necessarily disagree with that I think it would have to get real bad for him to be let go but look if the power brokers couldn't pull enough strings to get Justin Fuente out the door I don't think they're pulling enough strings to get with Babcock out the door that's number one but number two if other programs across the country want your athletic director don't fire that guy right and I know a lot of fans probably listening to this probably disagree with that but just given how the other athletic programs have performed at Virginia Tech I don't think you just outright get rid of Whit Babcock uh, because Justin Fuente is struggling. Now, I disagree with – I disagreed with, with – given everything that was going on with the program this past year and how things went down, I didn't necessarily agree with the decision to keep Justin Fuente, right? But now you did it, and if he hangs on to Fuente long past the expiration date, and a lot of fans would argue that we've already reached that point, um, I – Look, it depends on how bad it gets, right? And it wouldn't shock me either, Ricky, but I don't think he's outright on the hot seat right now. I just don't think that's even close to the case. But I, I, it wouldn't shock me, I guess, if Virginia Tech elected to move on. But with Tim Sands as the president and the way other athletic uh, programs within the department are performing, it would surprise me, I guess. I mean, at the end of the day, though, the football program goes down the drain and the anger that we see in this fan base turns to apathy. And suddenly you have we're there, I think. Yeah. Well, are we at the point where Lane Stadium, when it can be at full capacity, is now seating 40,000 people? on I don't don't know about that. Because at that point, if you get to that point of no return and you've essentially firebombed your main revenue generator that supports the entire operation as a whole, yeah, at that point, suddenly, Whip Babcock has objectively done a terrible job. But right. until we're at that point, I feel like he's somewhat safe. So I think there's merits to what you're saying, Mike, because his overall body of work is good. But at the end of the day, someone's got to bring home the bacon, and that's the football team. And if he destroys that, well, he's failed at his job. I'll tell you what, we're getting, we're getting the schedule released tomorrow uh, for – the ACC football season, right? They're releasing this, the football schedule and we'll see what that looks like. We already know who the opponents are going to be, but we'll kind of see how that sets up. If all goes well with the pandemic, which look, 
that's like Ricky just mentioned, like that's anybody's guess at this point, what normal football season is going to look like next season. But let's just say for shits and gigs that it's going to be a normal football season and we're all in a much better place. That's all. That's what we all want anyway. Right. So let's, let's be optimistic here. I would be shocked if Lane stadium is not packed for game one next year, just for the, just for the lone fact that nobody got to really experience that this year, they had limited fans and family friends and stuff like that, but they didn't have 65,000 in Lane stadium. And I think just by sheer impact of the pandemic alone, if you're able to get into Lane stadium next year, the fans are going to show up even with the state of the program being what it is right now, which it's not on an upward trajectory. I mean, we, we haven't even pretended to like, like it is, it's not, it's, going downward or stagnant at best but i I still think fans are going to show up um game one next year just by you know demand oh yeah i mean people people want what they can't have i mean when i was a kid in new jersey we used to get sonic commercials blasted to us all over all over the place but there was no sonics in new jersey they built a sonic you should have considered yourself lucky yeah well no they, (laughs) they built a sonic and the place fucking backed up the highway people were i mean it's sonic but people want what they can't have and people will flock to lane stadium at least for some time to watch a bad football team but because (laughs) they miss it they want something it's been on tv but they haven't been able to grasp it i can't wait i mean of course us three are gonna be there no matter what what now whether we're complaining or not is a different story but you know average joe married with three toddlers or whatever who has to make the trip down to Blacksburg five hours, get a hotel room that's overpriced. You know, that's a lot of work to yeah. go watch a bad football team. That That's where the apathy comes. And those are the people that bring you to the next level. Yeah. I mean, well, we might be having a different conversation in mid October, but in early September, I think the fans are going to show up like they always do. Now, if we start getting 40,000 at the opener, that's not like Furman or, you know, Arkansas state or something, um, then we'll have a real conversation. But until then, you know, I don't think we're at the point. A lot of fans on Twitter are apathetic. I'm curious to see what that actually translates to at Lane Stadium, right? And that's that's the real question that I would like answered. At the end of the day, the only thing ma- that matters is whether or not Virginia Tech wins football games, though. The fan apathy thing is secondary to that. Like, if Tech's winning games, the fans are going to show up. If they're not winning games, fans are going to be apathetic, and that is what it is it really just comes down to whether or not Virginia tech makes any other hires here um, with their assistance, with the openings that they have, who are those hires going to be? And do they move the needle in the way that we were hoping that Daryl tap would move the needle with the role that he was going to serve as a recruiter. And if they're not able to really tie a bow on that and, and really just bring somebody in or assign somebody on the staff who they believe in to do that and have a similar impact, it's all going to be moot. And Andrew Ricky was alluding to this right before he jumped on. He doesn't believe there's anybody on the staff who can jump into that Daryl Tapp role. I don't think so either. And I'm curious to hear what you think of that. I mean, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I mean, maybe, maybe Hamilton, does Hamilton have the charisma? He got the job for a reason. I, I, that being said, as the defensive coordinator, you have a larger share of overall responsibility to be out on the trail constantly, 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 and rebuilding those connections. I don't, I don't think charisma is the issue with, with Hamilton. I think it's the personality that Tap has, like ener- the energy that he brings, and 
maybe this is Virginia Tech's fault for not putting Hamilton out in front of the media enough. Hamilton's been really awesome when the media's gotten an opportunity to speak to him. He's been forthright and honest and genuine with his responses to questions that have been asked and stuff like that. I'm just really curious now who can kind of fill that energy on the recruiting trail. Is Hamilton that same sort of presence on the trail that they were painting Daryl Tapp out to be? And if he's not, then he certainly can't fill that role. Um, but obviously Hamilton's going to have to be able to recruit in some way, shape, or form in order to maximize the potential of his defense in Blacksburg, that's for sure. But I, I don't think there's anybody on staff right now who can fill the tap role either. So I mean, no one no one sticks out. And it, it is a hard role to fill on such short notice, but such a short leash for this coaching staff. Agree. All right. So football is in shambles again. Uh, let's talk about basketball, which was in shambles up until tonight. So let's talk about Tyrese Radford real quick. Um, he's indefinitely suspended because he was arrested over the weekend for driving while intoxicated and conceal weapon carry. So he's out until that gets sorted out, which all I can say about that is, you know, he made a mistake and I hope he learns from it. And, you know, I, I hope that gets resolved and, you know, everything ends up being okay. This situation is no bueno. Yeah, it's not a good situation. On the court, Virginia Tech, I thought, would miss his presence, and maybe they still really will against better competition, which I think is pretty fair. Um, Virginia Tech lost to Syracuse over the weekend with Tyrese Radford, and then Radford was arrested later that night when they returned to Blacksburg. So talking about the Syracuse game real quick, it was a real ugly shooting performance by the Hokies. The second half got away from them pretty quickly. Offense was real ugly against the zone and tech really hadn't played in almost a week. So I guess we shouldn't be totally surprised by the fact that they laid an egg against the defense that they a just hadn't seen all season, but B hadn't had an opportunity to really play against a live opponent in a bit. Um, so what were your guys's impressions of that Syracuse loss over the weekend? Bad. Yeah. Bad. And, it's the clunker, know, Rick. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like somebody called it. Found it. <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's it, it wasn't all that surprising. Um, anytime you have to go play in in the popcorn dome, you're you're going to have a chance of having a bad shooting night, and that's exactly what happened. Tech was playing really really well; they were bound to have a bad game. Then there was they had it. So the the important thing was how they would respond afterwards. And as we saw tonight against Notre Dame, they responded. Okay. It, it, it wasn't great, uh, but they responded with a win and that's really important. And because they was, they responded with a win, you don't have to, you don't get the feeling that this team is now starting to trend downward, right? Like they had a hiccup, they got over it. And now they're going to continue going on about the rest of their season. Yeah. I, I mean, to the original point here, I mean, that dome is a strange place to play basketball. Imagine playing in that cavernous dome with nobody in it. Your depth perception's got to be all screwed up. I mean, it, it had, like you said, clunker written all over it. But you got to like the resiliency because I got to admit with the Radford thing, which first of all is the unfortunate continuation of a pattern over the past few years of arrests and sometimes un 
explained dismissals of high-profile Virginia Tech athletes in both the football program and the basketball program. Think back to Chris Clark. Think back to Trayvon Hill. We have Mook Reynolds. It's just all, all over Devin the place. Devin Hunter. Devin Hunter, indeed. It's just, you know, it, it's a it's a pattern that is concerning, and not only does it affect the on-field, on-court performance of these teams in a negative way, but I, I think it does put a bad reflection on an athletic department filled with athletes that the vast majority of them have shown themselves only to be model citizens. So in that regard, outside of just the on-court stuff, I, I think it's kind of a shame. But I was talking to Chris Coleman on the radio the other day, Chris Coleman Tech sideline, and he told me, he's like, well, on the other side, in 1996, Virginia Tech football was averaging like an arrest every two weeks from their football team, so it could be worse. But I, I saw this as kind of a flashback to last year where I've been waiting for the tipping point for this Virginia Tech basketball team. As we know, they started so hot last year and completely fell off at the end. With the embarrassment against Syracuse, I wouldn't say an embarrassment, but maybe a disappointment against Syracuse combined with the news and a bad Notre Dame team coming up where Vegas gave 11-3 and Virginia Tech even odds against a Notre Dame team with a losing record overall. I'm like, yep, this is the beginning of the end. Everyone sees it. But they, they, they didn't disappoint. Great performance from Justin Mutz. Keve Aluma looked really good as well. I like seeing Jalen Cohn in the starting role. And given that the schedule, I mean, the ACC in general, not as daunting this year as it usually is. We know that. And they still have some lower-end teams left. So I, I do think that even without Tyrese Radford and Young is going to have to get creative with the rotations. He's going to have to get creative with the redistribution of those 32 to 35 minutes per game that Tyrese Radford was playing. We can't discount the fact that he was an extremely important player, but we knew that this team had depth coming into the season, depth to survive a, a COVID scare or where one or two players might be quarantined depth to survive an injury or two and ultimately maybe the depth to survive the dismissal of one of if not their best player so right. i i certainly came out of tonight significantly more optimistic with the win despite the fact that notre dame is not all that good of a basketball team bigger challenges lie ahead uva Agreed. yeah i mean they Tech did not play all that well in this game. I mean, defensively, they were pretty solid, but again, consider the competition. Um, but the encouraging thing is, is that Tech just shot 40% from the field and 20% from three and one by 11. So you can only be so frustrated with that kind of performance. That's that's extremely encouraging. Now, again, it's against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not very good. But Naheem Aline stepped up. Justin Mutt stepped up. KVA Luma returned to form. Jalen Cohn did not have a very good game, only one of five from three, one of six overall, but um, that's just kind of what shooters do. They go up and down. Hunter Couture, four of seven from three, uh, solid performance from him. They're going to need more of that. So it's it's a good, not great performance. It's a whole hell of a lot better than the alternative. Let's see how they build upon this. Can they continue to find that chemistry in later games? as they have to try and replace Tyrese Radford because he is going to be extremely difficult to replace. Um, even if they do find a way to replace him in, in the scheme and in their offensive sets, replacing that experience and that toughness is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, and actually, I think that might be the, the toughest part 
of, of what Mike Young has in front of him just because his team is pretty young. The one thing I took away from this, um, it, they didn't have a guy who could really take the ball to the basket, right, and, and cut to the hoop. I mean, they were missing that tonight. They didn't need it against Notre Dame. And Tech kept Notre Dame at bay for most of this game. There wasn't really a time where I felt like Notre Dame was going to win the basketball game. Uh, so te- it was much different from that first matchup back in early January, um, about about three weeks ago now when it was pretty tight the entire game until tech pulled away in the final two and a half minutes or so Kator hit a couple threes and, and they pulled away one by 14. This one, the margin wasn't as big, but it felt like a more dominant performance by tech defensively. Notre Dame had a ton of trouble on offense tonight and tech's defense got a bunch of big stops when they needed to Hunter Kator has been really, really good for tech this year. He's really taken the next step. I think he certainly um, the Hokies most improved player. We knew Radford was good. Um, Aluma and Mutz coming in, you know, we figured they would be a factor, but as far as guys who have kind of taken the next step and, you know, have developed into really nice players, Hunter Couture is a guy who is no longer just a spot up shooter. I mean, he's running off screens, much like Jalen Cohn is, and he's hitting a lot of threes and he's playing really good defense and he's been developing into the secondary ball handler when Wabisabidi's on the bench, which is important considering Cartier Jada's no longer in the lineup um, and, and hasn't been with the team now for, almost two months. Um, so it's been nice to have Hunter Couture kind of serve in that role. Joe Bamisil, our guy, friend of the podcast, got some burn tonight, played eight minutes, didn't really do anything from a, from a statute standpoint, had one rebound over two shooting. Mike Young did mention after the game that, you know, Bamisil has been playing, per, playing and performing very well in practice. And he thought that he gave the Hokies good minutes tonight off the bench. Um, and he mentioned that both Joe Bamisil and Darius Max would be two guys that he would be turning to with Tyrese Radford, um, no longer in the fold, at least for the time being. So I'm interested to see if, you know, Bamisil gets more playing time. That would be nice, uh, you know, try to see what he can develop into uh, as a freshman. Darius Maddox, we've seen a little bit more of Maddox this year than we have of Bamisil, but we haven't seen a ton of him either. Maddox only played one minute tonight. Um, it was in garbage time as, you know, time was expiring, so didn't really get anything out of him. Um, but I'll be interested to see if, Mike Young continues to integrate some of these freshmen into the lineup as well. Here's my question for you guys. Knowing that Radford's gone and you can factor in what you saw tonight, where does the stock go? How have you lowered expectations for this team, if at all? Like, where'd you have them before? Where do you have them now? So I had them as, you know, I I thought a top five finish. I, I didn't think this was the case at the start of the season, but um, I thought was certainly the case over the last couple couple months yeah, when I, you know, I Tech from play. Friday night, Saturday versus after. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, where where I was at before Radford got suspended was I thought Tech was a legitimate threat to win the ACC. Now I'm thinking they're probably like a top five or six team in the conference. So from a regular season standpoint. You know, I think Tech will probably lose one or two more games that they probably would not have lost otherwise um, if Tyrese Radford was in the lineup. So think of close games against good opponents, and that's where we're going to be really missing Tyrese Radford. As far as the tournament's concerned, like I think this is still a tournament team because, you know, Tech has been able to compile so many good wins um, early on in the year. And given tonight's performance against a bad team in Notre Dame, it's pretty clear that Tech is not going to play down to their opponents in a way that, they're all of a sudden just going to 
drop every game they play. I don't think it's that kind of loss. It's going to be significant in close games, though, against good competition. And that means that I think the conference tournament, assuming there is going to be a conference tournament, there's been talk about other conferences maybe canceling theirs. Haven't heard that with the ACC, though. Um, I think from a conference tournament standpoint, when you get into the quarterfinal or the semifinal rounds right against really good teams, I think that's when we're going to find that this team misses Radford a lot if he's still if he's still um, suspended. Same with the NCAA tournament. Like this was a team I thought, depending on, you know, the matchups and the draw, of course, from the tournament committee, I thought this was a team that had a legitimate chance to make a little bit of a run, you know, at least to the round of 32, maybe to sweet 16, if all broke right. Now I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case. Um, it's, it was entirely dependent on matchups anyway, but when you get into March, it's all about, you know, having a guy like Tyrese Radford when you absolutely need a basket like Virginia tech, they don't really have a guy on the team right now, right. That you can turn to and say, yeah, that guy can go get you a bucket right now. Right. Like we need it, pick and roll isolation, whatever. Like he's going to be the guy with five seconds left. Who's going to come off a screen and make a basket for you, you know, creating his own shot. Like tech's missing that still. And Radford isn't a great shooter, but he was a guy who tech would turn to in a tight game. They'd give him the ball and they'd say, all right, go to the hole, go create your own shot. And that's what they're going to miss. I think. Yeah. They're going to lose probably at least one or two games that they wouldn't lose otherwise with, with, with Rafford in the lineup. Virginia really concerns me. Yeah. Um, I really think they needed a, a physical presence who could get to the basket in that kind of game, um, Virginia also seems to starting to be hitting on all cylinders and things have definitely gotten better in Charlottesville. So that's, that's going to be an issue. It wouldn't shock me if we see one or two more clunkers uh, from this team, because I do think there are going to be bumps in the road because they have to figure out how to replay offense now. And that's something you don't want to be doing in January. Right. So it, it, it's going to be very tough. Um, but as I wrote, you know, Mike Young kind of prepared for this, even if he didn't plan on it. He's got some some guys on the wing who can score, even if they don't score necessarily like Tyrese Radford. So there, there are guys there, there are options, and they're not just warm bodies. They're actual talented players who can contribute, albeit in a different way. So I do think that Tech can lessen – the impact a little bit, but it's still going to be noticeable. Um, I, I, I still think this is a tournament team. Heck, I still think they can make a run of the Sweet 16, depending on who ends up in their bracket. Yeah. Um, it's not likely. Um, but it, even if even if Tech were to make the tournament, right, and they lose in the first round, who in the hell is upset about that? Right. They're you know, already outperforming expectations. Yes, exactly. So they're kind of playing with house money. Like, yes, it would be deflating and it would be disappointing because of that would be the second straight year where they got off to a really hot start and then things didn't end the way you wanted them to. But all things considered, if if Tech is able to go to the tournament, if they lose in the first round, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a bad taste in the mouths of Tech fans. But I think when you step back and take a larger view of it you'd be pretty happy with it now if they actually go out and win a damn game in the tournament not a soul will complain 
nope. about anything because that will that will have been almost best case scenario. Right. I liken this to the Sweet 16 team a few years ago where, you know, Chris Clark was dismissed and Landers Nolly was ineligible and Tech really could have used either one of those guys. We thought, I mean, Landers Nolly didn't end up being the player that we thought he was going to be. But at the time, that was, you know, a significant loss, not having him and, you know, not having Chris Clark. It was like, man, we really could have used those guys in the, in the Sweet 16 is what how everybody was feeling, regardless of the circumstances off the court. So I kind of feel that way about not having Radford now on this team. Um, but, Andrew, I forgot something off the top of this podcast as we wrap up. And you're so you're you have a way of eloquently talking about our sponsor, Main Street Pharmacy. So can you do that and help us get out of here? Well, yeah, like the fact of the matter is that the Hokey Hangover podcast would not be possible without our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is a pharmacy that you want to go to if you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you. Now, you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about your healthcare outcomes? Look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. I think I've gotten pretty good at that guy. Andrew, how much time did you spend in the mirror doing that read? <laughs> I don't know. It's almost like it just rolls off the tongue now. Second nature. Yeah. All I know is that our good friend, Dr. Jeremy Counts, made some money off the stock market this week, and he's going to buy me some he drinks on this weekend. Oh, <laughs> I promise you that. Did you guys see that that Reddit server where all these like people are basically fighting that hedge fund, right? That 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 uh that server got shut down on Reddit. Yeah, it it got reopened this evening, but it was oh, like totally it was totally shut down for about three or four hours, like this oh. afternoon, early evening. Yeah. What 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 a mess. Yeah. <laughs> like, brother is watching. Uh, Game stops I'm, popping, baby. I'm so glad I'm not involved in that. People so are glad. going to lose their shirt what what a mess um and i'm mike i'm glad you remembered that but we also need to talk about how all three of us are now picking games on tally site yes which is for for, i I gotta be honest i never heard of tally site until about two weeks ago same and um matt over there reached out to me i know he reached out to mike and andrew is now on board as well and it's a pretty cool gig. I think it's awesome. I'm glad that he's allowing us to be a part of it. Basically, any kind of insight you would need in order to help pick games, which if you're living in Virginia now, haha, you get to bet on sports. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, not a lot of people were doing anyway, but some of my friends now have turned into absolute degenerates like Michael McDaniel. And they have com- they've completely gone off the rails. Two of my friends had 16 parlays that got blew up tonight by the Lakers, <laughs> yeah. which is just a mess. I'd rather but, not talk um, about that. I do want to thank them for ha- having all three of us on board picking games. We all picked Tech tonight, so woohoo for us. Um, I-, I know Mike is probably going to be picking a ton of games on there. Andrew will probably pick a good amount of games on there. I'll be picking somewhat regularly i'm not a huge better everyone knows that i'm certainly not good at it uh but thanks again to those guys and if you're looking to get any sort of insight uh into betting um definitely go over there they have experts from all sorts of platforms and all sorts of teams and all sorts of sports uh it's it's gotten really expansive here um here in the last i guess a few months yeah and guys with a lot of clout too picking games like yeah (laughs) like big time writers and 
yeah podcasters even, even and... us who would have thought that's possible <laughs> right uh, and then us i will i will yeah, say and us <laughs> i will say um this is definitely gonna be a bad look for me because we think back to ACC picks. I whooped you guys. I picked them at about a 60% clip on the radio show. We did every NFL game against the spread and I beat Paul and Nathan and that picked at about a 56% clip. Uh, had a great first weekend of betting here in the great Commonwealth of Virginia. And now I'm putting these games online in the public and I, I can barely win one. So Give me, give me some time. Be patient with me. I'm not an actual moron. I'm actually relatively good at this. But, uh, you know, no, normal deal here, guys. Rate, review, subscribe. Can't stress enough how much that means to us. Puts us higher in the search results. Let's us know what we're doing right. Let's us know what we're doing wrong. Shout out to Christian, the bartender. Good man. He left us a very positive review. We love Christian, the bartender. Uh, you guys got anything else before we wrap this up? Um. Go read Mike's stuff. Listen to Mike. Listen to Andrews on the radio all the time. Go read my stuff. Go read Dave Scarangella, who is off Twitter. I'm working on getting him back. It's going to take a long time. But oh, go yeah. read go read Twitterless Dave at Dulles District. Um, and, yeah, definitely get on the pod, share it with your buddies. And uh, If there was ever a week to listen to my radio show, it is next week. Yes. Today was the goldmine of my career. And I have – three really serious guests like one i can tell you monday is adam schefter i have a pair of nfl head coaches booked for wednesday and thursday this is you are absolutely killing it my friend I, yes I, again I, I i need some sleep i it's just crazy this andrew been, is just slanging that thing around right now i, I guess so <laughs> but you know what folks we love you for listening to the podcast Sorry if uh, the world of Virginia Tech isn't as bright as it, as it should be, but we thank you for investing your time in us, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Hokies.